Do you ever wonder if your donation to LCFA really makes a difference? Well, today on our Hope With Answers podcast, we are going to hear from a researcher whose very early studies in immunotherapy led not only to changes for lung cancer, but also for all cancers. And that's all because of you. I'm Diane Mulligan. And I'm Jordan Sherman. Also today, we'll hear from a lung cancer patient directly benefiting from donor-led research. As a result, she's been living with lung cancer for more than 12 years. Research is a huge part of moving the ball forward in, in clinical discovery. And a lot of the amazing immunotherapy work that's been ongoing for the last 10 years is the result of basic science. So funding early stage investigators allows us to really mark our spot in the field, um, really establish ourselves as independent investigators and allows us to generate that preliminary data that can get us the bigger grants in the future. Lung cancer is a tough topic. It's a disease that affects patients, families, friends, co-workers. But first, it's a disease that affects people. The Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast brings you stories about people living, truly living with lung cancer. The researchers dedicated to finding new breakthrough treatments and others who are working to bring hope into the lung cancer experience. We are joined today by Dr. Kelly Smith, Associate Professor of Oncology at the Bloomberg Kimmel Institute for Cancer Immunotherapy at Johns Hopkins. You know, Dr. Smith is the recipient of two Lung Cancer Foundation of America Young Investigator Grants, and her lab in Baltimore focuses on immunotherapies to help those living with lung cancer. Dr. Smith, thank you so much for joining us. Your current work, thanks to donors and research grants, could have a major impact on patients in early stage disease. Tell us more about what you're working on right now. It's actually a very exciting time for research in the early stage lung cancer setting. Uh, traditionally, new therapies were only available for patients with advanced or metastatic disease. Uh, but now what we're seeing is that newer treatments like immunotherapy are, as of a year ago, now approved as standard of care for the treatment of early stage lung cancer as well. And what we're seeing is not only does this therapy make the tumor smaller, to enable uh, a higher likelihood of surgery and surgical resection of the tumor, but it's also allowing these patients to live longer without disease after their surgery as well. Dr. Smith, your first research grant from LCFA focused on immunotherapy for patients with advanced non-small cell lung cancer, but it's a great example of how donors and research grants can have a really powerful impact on medicine as a whole. What you learned from that research really blew the doors wide open for all cancer research. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Research is a huge part of moving the ball forward in, in clinical discovery. And a lot of the amazing immunotherapy work that's been ongoing for the last 10 years is the result of basic science. And um, one of the examples of this is after the initial successes of PD-1 blockade and lung cancer and melanoma in the early clinical trials, correlative science into colorectal cancer found that a subset of those that have mismatch repair deficiency 
respond very well to immunotherapy, whereas tumors that colorectal tumors that don't have this uh, genetic marker uh, don't respond very well. So this was a, a strictly lab-based study that identified this mismatch repair deficiency as a biomarker for response. And now, um, as of I think three or four years ago, uh, the FDA approved uh, PD-1 blockade for the treatment of mismatch repair deficient cancers. So this is just a nice example of how the initial clinical studies led to correlative science and basic science, which then led to additional uh, FDA approvals. That is fantastic. And it's it's wonderful to see how what you're doing and the, the grant research that you started with has really impacted probably tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people. It's, it's just amazing. Of course, we're talking about immunotherapy, immunotherapy, where the body basically recognizes the cancer and then goes to fight it. Another word, another word we used a little while ago was metastatic, and that's where the cancer actually goes to different parts of the body from where it originally started. Is that right? Am I, am I putting that? That's right correct. Now? Okay. Yep. Um, so is it fair to say that research really led to the immunotherapy and then led to better management of the other cancers? Is, do you think that's a fair statement? I think that is a fair statement. Obviously, it's not linear. Um, so there's a lot of things that happened on this road. There's a lot of side roads. There's a lot of dead end, a lot of dead end roads. <laughs> um, there's a lot of bypasses. Um, but uh, basically, that's what happened is um, initial laboratory-based studies led to the first clinical trials in humans. We saw a positive signal in the clinic. Um, and then by doing additional lab-based studies on the biospecimens from those trials, we're able to then extend the findings to other patients and other cancer types. Uh, Dr. Smith, it's it's crazy to think that it really wasn't that long ago that, you know, the community looked at lung cancer as one disease. And, you know, we know now that with all of the different research that's been ongoing over the years, uh, we understand that there are a number of different types of lung cancer. So research has continued to lead to a better understanding of these different subsets of lung cancer and more focused treatments, hasn't it? That's absolutely right. And one would think that the initial appreciation of that fact would actually be kind of scary, right? Because instead of lung cancer, you now have a cancer for every single individual who comes into your clinic. Um, so instead of one type of cancer, you have potentially millions of types of cancer, essentially. Um, but what that has allowed us to do is start to bucket these tumor types um, according to different genetic and immunologic features that allow us to develop more targeted therapies that are specific for the patient's own tumor. So instead of giving a patient chemotherapy where we know they have a tumor type that is not gonna respond very well to that, um, we can now develop better and less toxic treatments that are gonna be specifically tailored for that patient's tumor. So we're very excited about this personalized medicine approach, which really can make the quality of life for patients so much better. You first started studying immunotherapy in people who had non-small cell lung cancer who were smokers, and now you're studying it in never smokers. And you know, a lot of people, it's surprising to them that people who have never smoked can get lung cancer. Um, but what I want you to do, if you would explain um, how funding for research has helped create these more targeted and effective treatments for patients. This is a great point. And it, it goes back to the previous question about 
uh, every patient's lung cancer is unique and uh, not every lung cancer is going to be the result of smoking. Um, and this is just a simple fact that we uh, as a community um, and and, uh, and as humans living in the world, we need to better appreciate and better understand. And specifically funding for basic science research has allowed us to make this distinction. So not only is within, you know, patients with a history of smoking are all of their tumors different, but tumors from patients without a history of smoking are very, very distinct in terms of their genetics, their immunology, um, everything is, is completely different. So allowing us to make this distinction is helping us to better tailor these therapies to tumors that might not respond as well to immunotherapy, like in the case of the, the patients who have never smoked, um, or tailor them to patients with a history of smoking where they have a better chance of responding to immunotherapy. Now, when you think of somebody being diagnosed with cancer, um, the first thing that I'm sure they think of is, oh my gosh, I need to get chemotherapy. Um, that Those two are kind of synonymous with one another. but and, and it does have its place with lung cancer treatment. But what I hear you saying is immunotherapy is kind of the smarter treatment. And we have research to thank for that. That's absolutely right. But, but you know, I don't want to poo-poo chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. um, immunotherapy, as a T-cell immunologist, I do want to say is smarter. Um, but the approvals now for, especially for lung cancer, are for immunotherapy and chemotherapy combined. And when when the, the pharma companies first started doing these clinical trials about 10 years ago, me and, you know, if you would have asked 10 immunologists, 10 out of 10 would have said, this is a crazy idea. Why would you give someone a, a cytotoxic chemotherapy when you're trying to boost their immune system to kill tumor cells? Um, I thought it was crazy, um, but I was wrong. Uh, pleasantly, to, you know, I'm happy to be wrong. Um, there actually is a synergistic effect of chemotherapy and immunotherapy. And right now we have no understanding of why that is. Um, so that's also one of the goals of my research is to understand why there is this synergy when you wouldn't expect there to be. You know, I can tell how enthusiastic you are about all of this. And, and I think for the people that are listening, it's those donor dollars, which really made the difference in getting everything started because lung cancer just doesn't get the same funding as most of the major cancers, even though lung cancer is the most deadly cancer out there. So we have a lot to be excited about. There, there have been so many breakthroughs in the past 10 years. Um, what do you think is coming? What are you excited about when you think about what's next in research for lung cancer? Yeah, one thing I want to reiterate to your point is lung cancer kills more people than breast, colorectal, and prostate cancers combined, yet it only receives 6% of federal research dollars dedicated to cancer research. 6%. Um, so it is a significant public health problem, and it is a significantly underfunded problem. Um, but the positive here is that through my grant with LCFA, which was $200,000, um, I received two grants, so each one was $200,000. But for the, the first one I received, I've been able to leverage that into over $5 million of funding. So funding early stage investigators allows us to really mark our spot in the field, um, really establish ourselves as independent investigators and allows us to generate that preliminary data that 
can get us the bigger grants in the future. So um, I think that's really um, an important thing that LCFA does. And I think moving forward, the future really is the early stage investigators and really investing in them to make these big um, uh, clinically relevant discoveries. Well, we can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. We can easily see how research grants attract the top investigators to help us in the battle against lung cancer. And the result is tremendous advances in lung cancer care. It's incredible to see that the research has a very direct impact on people living with lung cancer, just like our next guest. She is a tireless advocate for lung cancer research and a true inspiration for others. Lung Cancer Foundation of America's Speaker Bureau member, Lisa Bonanno. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, you've celebrated 11 years of living with lung cancer, but we've often heard you say that you celebrate the researchers. So tell us what you mean by that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, research is why I'm still here. I have a very rare form of lung cancer. It's driven by the ROS1 mutation. And when I was diagnosed, there weren't any drugs that were FDA approved for it at the time. And now there's two and there's several more in trials. And that's all because of these amazing researchers and I'm so thankful for them that dedicate their life to this work. Now, this is an incredible stat here, but Lisa, statistically, you had a 2% chance of living five years when you were first diagnosed. Yeah. So it's not too far-fetched to say that advancements in research have helped save your life. Oh, they they absolutely have. And like I said, with the new treatments that are around now, I have options now that weren't available, you know, even five years ago, they weren't available. So research is most definitely the reason that I'm still alive today. And it's, it's so interesting because, as you know better than anybody, cancer is just smart. And unfortunately... Um, so many cancer treatments don't don't stay effective forever. Um, and these cancers, they come back, they find a new way to attack your body. And so you're essentially waiting for the next advancement in research to really help you in this battle that you're waging against lung cancer. What does it mean to you when you hear that someone was willing to donate to lung cancer research? I think... Um... Really, we all know that federal dollars for lung cancer research are, are pretty low. So we really depend on these private dollars. You know, it doesn't matter um, how much money people are able to donate. The fact that they're willing to donate and care about this cause because lung cancer will affect somebody you know in your lifetime. So I think I it just, it inspires me and, and gives me hope that because people care and because people are investing that the research can continue. And like you said, our disease, I mean, cancer becomes so smart and works its way around these diseases. So at this time, we will always need another, another drug and another new treatment. And um, that's where I'm at right now actually is looking into my next treatment. And we need those dollars to be able to keep having that research. Yeah, it's, I mean, research is, it's the common um, phrase here we, we've heard on this podcast. It's just so important. You know, do you see a possibility uh, that lung cancer is maybe converted into a chronic disease or maybe even cured in the near future thanks to research? Well, I think we already are seeing it as a, as a more chronic illness. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, 
I'm in 11 and a half years, you know, I've been living with this disease and I was diagnosed at stage four in an advanced stage. So, um, you know, when I was diagnosed, you, you said those statistics, it was a very slim chance. Unfortunately, the majority of people weren't living past their first year of diagnosis. So I'm proof and so many thousands of others like me, because of these new treatments, we are living longer and more fulfilling lives too. I mean, I'm still very active and able to enjoy my life. I'm not just, you know, kind of sick with cancer. And it's really been amazing, the treatments that they've come up with the last few years. You know, if anybody watches your Instagram or your TikTok, they see how full of life you are. It's it's so much fun. I'm wondering, though, you put your cancer journey on TikTok when you first started, and you had an amazing response. Did that surprise you? It did, actually. I didn't know a lot about TikTok. Um, my seven-year-old niece was on it, so I thought it was a kid thing. But it's actually, there's a lot of great info on there and so many amazing creative um, content creators. And I really just thought maybe this is one more way to get my story out there, one more way to give somebody else hope or inspiration that's going through the same thing that I am. And I don't, um, I have followers that are from the lung cancer community, but also um, I connect with survivors of all different types of cancer on there. And we share our experiences and support each other. And it's really been another great, you know, outlet for me to be able to hopefully let other people know, you know, that you're not alone. And you just, you do such a great job at telling your story. We always talk about this concept of living with lung cancer and you do such an incredible job um, doing that, Lisa. And these are five, uh, these are stories that even five years ago um, would have been a little bit more few and far between. Is that why you're working so hard as an advocate for lung cancer research? Absolutely. I just, I really want to, like I said, I want to give others hope. It's such a horrible, devastating thing to hear that you have cancer right any type of cancer and especially if you have lung cancer which is the most deadly um you you feel alone you feel isolated um it i really just want to give other people hope that you know we can still live a full life and that's really what i do post the the sadder sides the harder days i do have hard days i have been on chemo for five years now and um you know not every day is easy so i share that as well but I try to really show living and what I get to do and enjoy my life because of what, re what research has given me. You are the personification of hope. It's absolutely true. And I know you speak at conferences, you meet with congressional leaders and you're interviewed by the media all the time. What is the one thing that you wanna tell anyone who is considering donating to lung cancer research? Uh, I guess, please don't ever think any donation is too small. I don't care if it's $1,000 or $20. Um, as a collective and as a community, those dollars matter and they all add up and they are just helping to fuel future research. And that is helping to extend lives like mine and so many others. I don't think we could have put it better. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. We really, it's always such a joy every time we get to talk to you. Well, thank you. It's always my pleasure. I love visiting with Lisa Bonanno. She is such an inspiration and an example of someone who is thriving while living with lung cancer, thanks to donor-generated research. Lisa has provided so much hope for others living with lung cancer, Diane. And the research hurdles that Dr. Kelly Smith has overcome, thanks to those research grants, is truly remarkable. 
And if you're enjoying the Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast, consider donating to help LCFA produce this resource for patients or anyone seeking answers, hope, and access to updated treatment information, scientific investigation, and clinical trials. Just text LCFA to 41444 to join in this critical fight. Make sure to subscribe to the Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast. You'll be notified every time a new episode is available. So visit us online at lcfamerica.org where you can find more information about the latest in lung cancer research, new treatments, and more. You can also join the conversation with LCFA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.